Amen. Well, guys, this morning, as I said, we're going to take the next step. We talked about serving our church. If you weren't here last week, I'd love for you to go to our website uh, to study and, and to hear about the importance of that. You just go under sermons. Last week's sermon is up there. You can watch it. You can also uh, visit our Facebook page to see that. So that's there. Um, but this morning, we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 22. We're going to be in a couple of, of stories of Jesus um, or somebody else quoting the same two commands. And these commands are really, really important. So I want to begin in the Word of God with you, and then I'm going to share four things with you, and I'll let you go. Uh, This is what the Word of God says, uh, starting in verse 34 of Matthew um, 22, of Matthew um, 22. And so uh, uh, Jesus is being questioned. He's been questioned by the Sadducees about the resurrection. He kind of silences them. He's now being questioned by the Pharisees. And uh, it says this, it says, When the Pharisee heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, uh, they came together, and one of them, an expert in the law, uh, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? Wh- which one is, is the most important? If I were to do nothing else, what's the most important thing I could do with my life, is what he's asking. Uh, Jesus said to him, verse 37, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, this is the greatest and most important command. It says, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus makes this, this stunning claim in verse 40. He says, all of the law and all of the prophets depend upon just these two commands. All of the law, all of the prophets depend or hang, another translation says, upon just these Two commands. I'm going to talk about that with you this morning, okay? So four things I want to share as we talk about um, serving uh, in our neighborhood. And the first is this, guys. I want you to know that loving our neighbor is the second greatest command in all of Scripture, okay? Loving our neighbor is, is the second greatest command in all of Scripture. I know I could have made that fancy or worded it different, but that's just the plain truth of Scripture. Uh, according to Jesus, and I'll put it on the screen again, uh, verse 37, 39, so, so Jesus speaking says, he said, what's the greatest command the Pharisee asked? He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. That's the greatest and most important command. But then he, he adds this. He says, in the second The second greatest command is what Jesus is saying is is much like it. He says, then you've got to love your neighbor as yourself. And then he makes this crazy statement. All of the law and all of the prophets hang upon these two things. Jesus is literally saying that all of the Old Testament can be wrapped up in these two commands. Love God with all your being and love your neighbor as yourself. And, And you say, how is that? Why would Jesus make that statement? Well, I'll show you. And we're going to do this. We're just going to look at the Ten Commandments this this morning. I'm just going to break them down into two sections. When you think about the Ten Commandments, uh, think about them this way, okay? Uh, First and foremost, think about loving God, right? So the first four commandments are all about our love for God, right? Uh, God says, I'm the only God there is. There's no other gods. You'll have no other gods. So he literally says, have no other gods before me. Uh, Don't make for yourself an idol. Don't make any kind of false god. I'm God. Uh, That's offensive to me. Love me with all your heart. Don't make for yourself an idol. Uh, He says, don't misuse my name. It's kind of a big deal. I'm your dad. I made you. You should should respect me. Fathers know what I'm talking about. We all have our kids at one time or another try to uh, not use our name properly. Doesn't go over so well. Uh, It offends us. It offends God too. Okay, so he's like, hey, use my name properly, care about me, uh, make, make, like, esteem me, respect me, okay? And then he says this, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. That's my day, right? And it's a gift to you 
but it's my day. You keep it holy. You show up. You come to church. You worship me. I'm your creator. I'm the one that set you free from your sin and rebellion. You make it about me, and then you also give yourself rest. Don't work on that day. You work six other days. Don't work on that day. Make it a holy day. It'll be a day of rest for you. It'll be a day for you to reset your heart spiritually. Get your mind and your heart focused on me. And believe it or not, if we just lived by that, our lives would be vastly different. Okay? So, so that's the first command. Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. So that's the first four of the Ten Commands. Now the next six, five through ten, are about loving our neighbor. Right? He says this, honor your father and your mother. Right? That's kind of a big deal. Uh, where does our neighbor start? In our home. Right? So it begins right there. Who's my neighbor? Uh, the people in my house. And, and so, uh, honor your father and mother. Uh, don't kill. That's kind of like if you're going to love somebody, you can't kill them. Right? You can't, you can't think lower of them. Uh, you have to esteem them as well because God made them in his image. Uh, it says don't commit adultery. Right? Again, that, 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 that's not your person. Uh, so so that's, that's offensive unto the person. That's not loving somebody well. Uh, don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet. All of those are sins against other people which God made in his image. Okay? Which God made in his image. This is why the Apostle Paul writes this in Romans 13. Now, Romans 13, 8 through 10. I'll put it on the screen for you. The Apostle Paul writes, Do not owe anyone anything except to love one another. Right? Don't owe anyone anyone except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. He, he says this. He says, the commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And get this. And any other commandment are summed up by this commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. So if we're going to talk about serving our neighborhood, we first have to start with the reason why that's a big deal to us. And the reason why that's a big deal to us is because literally the second greatest command in all of Scripture is to love your neighbor as you would love yourself. All right? So it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Second thing I want to share with you this morning is that loving our neighbor means, it means serving them in love as we see them in need. Anybody, like, how do I put flesh on that? What does it mean to love my neighbor? This is it, ready? It means that you're going to serve them in love anytime you see them in need. That's what it means to love your neighbor. I see somebody in need, I'm going to serve them out of love. That's what, it, that's what it means to love your neighbor. It literally means to put kind of skin on it, right? So turn with me again if you've got your Bibles. I'm now in Luke chapter 10. Uh, Luke chapter 10, and, and you're going to see the, this, these same commands mentioned and uh, this is a famous passage. It's called the, the Parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, again, it says, Then an expert in the law stood up to test uh, him, saying, Teacher, uh, different question, What must I do to inherit eternal life? And uh, Jesus responds, Well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And the expert in the law answered, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all your mind, and... Your neighbor as yourself. This guy's answered very well. I wonder if he was at Jesus' first talk. Right? So he answers correctly. Okay? And Jesus says in verse 28, You've answered correctly, he told him. Do this and you will live. Oh, here comes the mistake. But, verse 29, But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, Well, and who exactly is my neighbor? Huh. Who, who, 
wait, hold on now. This love your neighbor as yourself, surely you can't mean everybody. Who exactly is my neighbor? So Jesus tells him a story. Jesus took up the question. He said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell into the hands of robbers. Now, the, like what we would think, the text is basically saying this is a Jew. Okay? So the guy's leaving Jerusalem, kind of, that's where all the Jews are, right? So he's going down to Jericho, uh, and he falls into the hands of robbers. Now they strip him, they beat him, and then they flee, and they leave him half dead, uh, verse 30. 31 says, a priest happened to be going down that road. That seems like good luck for the man who's been beaten. But when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, this is somebody that works in the temple, surely this is good news, somebody who works in the church is there. But when he arrived at the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, this is a kick in, 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 in the pants right here for the Jews that are hearing this, for the expert in the law, because they, they look down upon the Samaritans as a half-breed, right? Like they, they had their own temple, they didn't really love God, they, they, they weren't pure as we were, they're not the same. It says, but this Samaritan on the journey came upon him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. And then he put him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Jesus asked. And the man replied, the one who showed mercy to him. Jesus told him, go and do the same. And the point of the story, friends, of course, is that they were not supposed to act like the priest. And they were not supposed to act like the Levite. They were supposed to act like the Samaritan. They were supposed to see a need and meet a need and love. And, and, and this is the heart of the gospel. Right? It's about sensitivity. So let's look at how the Samaritan responds, and I want to show you why that's how we should respond. Right? So on the screen, Luke 10, 33, the Samaritan on his journey, when he came up to him, he saw the man and he had compassion. So I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Do you have a sensitive spirit for others? Honestly. Do you have a sensitive spirit for others? Because this is key. Right? This is something Jesus, that's the guy that we, we, we name ourselves after, right? I'm a Christian, that means I'm a little Christ, I'm a Christ follower. This is something Jesus is absolutely known for, is his sensitivity to others in need. Matthew 9, 35 through 36, uh, Jesus is about to appoint the 12. Before that, it says, Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Ready? It says, when he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them, because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a, a shepherd. So when he saw them, he had compassion, and he healed. That's, that's the pattern. Uh, we see the same thing at the feeding of the 5,000, Matthew 14, 14. It says, uh, when he went to shore, he, now he, he was trying to get away from the crowds at this point. He's trying to get away. He comes ashore, all the crowd, when he, when he pulls ashore, he sees a large crowd, he has compassion on them, and he healed their sick. So he sees them, he has compassion, he does something. He does something. Uh, same thing in Luke chapter 7. Jesus is, is literally just walking. He's with his disciples, and he comes upon a funeral procession. And there's a widow. Uh, now she's a widow. Uh, this, was a, this was a mother that had one child. She had one son, 
and her son has died. We call her the widow of Nain. Jesus is just walking with his disciples. He comes upon the funeral procession, realizes that this woman has lost her one and only child, doesn't have a husband, he's already died. Everything she has in her mind is gone. And Jesus comes upon it, and he is moved with compassion. This is when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said, don't weep. And then he's going to go to the coffin, put his hand on it, say to the dead man, get back up and live. And the guy's going to come back. Literally, he's going to raise the dead because he saw her and he had compassion and he had the power to do something. Unless you think that's only Jesus, then you turn to where the church begins. Remember, the church begins in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit comes and Peter preaches there at Pentecost and 3,000 people are saved. We go from 120 disciples to 3,120. Very soon, maybe even the next day or two, Peter is walking to the synagogue to pray with John and he sees a beggar there that has been crippled since birth. Man hasn't been able to walk since birth and he's laying outside uh, the gate beautiful, the entrance beautiful uh, towards the temple, and he's just begging for money. And here's what Scripture says, Acts 3, 4 through 6, Peter along with John, uh, ready, looked straight at him. Right? He looked straight at him. That means he saw him. Friends, can I ask you a question? How often do we walk right past people instead of looking straight at them? How often do we look the other way? Because we don't want to deal with it. But they looked straight at him. And they saw the need. And they saw the hurt. There is always hurt behind the need. Can you write that down somewhere? There is always hurt behind the need somewhere. There's something deeper than the physical cause that you see. So they looked straight at him, and, and, and then they said, look at us. And so he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver, I don't have gold, but what I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And the man jumped to his feet, the scripture says. And that should be our pattern. As people that take on the name of Christ, Christians, we should be people that don't rush past others, but we look at them. And we see the need of our neighbor. And we are moved with compassion because we're tender-hearted for them. And we do whatever we can. We do whatever is in our power. Now listen, it may not be money, y'all. Alright? Notice Peter and John were broke. Okay? Some of y'all know what I'm saying. I bought 18 eggs the other day. It was $6.15. For 18, I'm going to buy chickens for six. I'm pretty sure for six bucks I can buy a chicken, right? Two, three. I mean, how much are chicks? Are they, are they probably more expensive now too? Uh, I, you know, like listen, maybe you're like, Pastor, I, my, I ain't got a lot left right now. I'm putting a little bit in the car. I'm getting to work. I'm paying my bills. That's all I got. And you may see somebody's, but guess what? They, they didn't have the, the money either, but they saw the need was deeper. And they said, let me tell you about my Jesus. We all have Jesus to give. We all have Jesus to give to minister to the deeper hurts. But we pass by often just seeing the surface level stuff, man. So I'm going to say this to you. Listen, we've got to love our neighbor. It's the second greatest command. Loving our neighbor means that we've got to see them and then we've got to serve them out of love. The third thing I'm going to tell you is all of that is going to cost you something. All right? Serving our neighbors will be costly. 
Serving our neighbors will be costly. If we go back to the parable of the Good Samaritan, we're just going to walk through it. Let's, let's count the cost, shall we? All right? So first of all, it cost him money. Right? And I'm, I'm going to love you right now, but I'm going to tell you, it's going to cost money to reach this community for Christ. It just does. Uh, I, I, you would be shocked how many people come to us every single week asking to get to a doctor's visit, or they need help with prescriptions, or they need a place to stay. It costs money to try to... Now listen, we try to work through that. We, I ask questions, I call and follow up stuff, but, but a chunk of my week, that's it, y'all. That's it. Right? And so it, it, it's gonna, it, it costs, right? But, but listen, it costs this guy uh, his own bandages. It cost him oil. It cost him wine. It, 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 it cost him some, some discomfort. He puts the, the guy on his own donkey. He has to walk the rest of the way. He pays for a room and stays with the guy for a night. And then the next day, he gives more money. Here's a couple more denarii. And if it costs more than that for him to get back on his feet, I'll come back and I will pay you even more. It's going to cost, right? It costs money. It cost him time. He had to stop. He had to stop. How many of you feel like you're running around with a chicken with your head cut off right now? You're barely... How many... Come on, be honest. How many of you are, are barely treading water? Hold them up. Hold them, not, not temporary. Other people need to see that. You're treading water right now. You're like, I am trying to survive. Yes. If you have young children or old children or have ever had children, I think you're in this camp. If you've ever had them, like they could be out the house doing their own thing, you're still like, I just want to read. Right? That's me, man. I don't know about you. I don't even like treading water. But that's, what, that's my life. That's the cycle. Right? But you know what? If you know how to tread water, then you can do it with one less hand, I promise. And with this one, you can help. I'm just telling you, you can. It doesn't take that much. It just doesn't. I know you think you're drowning, but you're not. You're surviving. And if you're surviving, then the Lord has given you enough to help somebody else, period. Period. That's the end of the story. And, and, and if you think, well, I'm just barely hanging on. I can't help this other person. Guess what? You're going to be barely hanging on the rest of your life. Because you've got to learn the importance of giving away what you have instead of just trying to get what you need. All right? God's going to provide. He literally does. That's who He is. His name is Provider. Hello? We just got to meet those needs in love. All right? So, so listen, it's costly. It's going to take time. You're actually going to have to stop. Even if you're treading water, you're going to have to stop, right? It's going to cost you comfort, okay? Guess what? All right, last week I said, hey, you've got to start serving the church first. And some of you are like, I don't want to serve the church. I want to go serve the community. But you can't, and you can't because outside the walls it's uncomfortable. Because guess what? This dude was naked and bloody, Right? And some of you don't even want to deal with children. If you can't deal with children, if you can't mess with puke or throw up, or you can't clean toilets in these walls, then there ain't no way you can go out and do the uncomfortable outside. So I'm saying to you right now, you got to get involved getting uncomfortable doing things in this building before you go outside and you become the priest or the Levite going, well, I go to church, but I, that dude's naked and bloody. I ain't touching him. Right? Unless you're used to all the naked and bloodiness in here, you can't go deal with it out there. So I'm saying to you, in love, I'm, not, I'm so glad you want to represent the church to the world, but you better start serving God within His walls and understand how dirty people really are, how broken people really are, so that you're not uh, afraid to be around brokenness. 
So that you don't jump back every time you see something. So that you're not shocked when somebody drops the F-bomb. Or lights up a joint when you're trying to talk to them about the Lord. That is real life. That is real ministry. Stepping into a marriage when people are going, I hate him and I'm going to shoot him, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, I don't have a gun, but I'm going to find one. And when you step into that, when people hate each other and they're living together and you go, hey, listen, I've been there. Hey, listen, man, there are days I still feel that way. But let me tell you how the Lord has changed us. Let's, let's stop. Let's cool off. Why don't you come stay at our house tonight? Listen, we'll take the kids. Let us help you out. Hey, we'll pay for a weekend away. Hey, hey we'll, we'll, we'll pay for some marriage counseling. By the way, if your marriage is struggling that bad, come see us. We've got grants to help for marriage counseling. We care about you. It costs to do ministry. Cost him comfort. They were naked and bloody. Right? He had to put him on his donkey. So you're going to have to put somebody in your pew. You are. You may have to give up your service time. But I like that 9 o'clock time. I, I love it. I like that early. Well, guess what? Somebody else needs that space. You've got you to get uncomfortable. It cost him his preference, right? It's not what he wanted to do. How many people... You, you woke up and you're like, I can't wait to see somebody naked and bloody. Woo! Yeah! Man! I can't wait for my whole day that I planned all weekend to get messed up. I can't wait! That's life when you're following Jesus. This last thing I'm going to say to you. Not only will serving our neighbors will be costly, but serving our neighbors will be worth it. And it'll be worth it. Listen, Jesus talks about uh, what people will receive. And it's hard. Jesus has some hard teachings, y'all. Like, I had no place to rest my head. And you're like, I have a home. I don't know. Like, there's some hard teachings of Jesus. And, and one of those times, Peter is listening. He's like, uh, uh, hold on, Lord. What about us? What about us? What, what's in it for us? And I love this. Jesus says in Matthew 19, 29, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields because of my name will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. Right? There's a crown of life waiting for you. That's, that's what it, what, why is it worth it? it? It may not be worth it on this side of the sky. People, you know what? You may try to love somebody and they actually hate you for it. I've been there. I've been there. But you know what? It ain't about them. I'm worshiping God when I do that. It's about Him. My reward is later. It may not be now. Jesus said in, in Luke 15, 7, I tell you in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. So somebody says, why as a church are we so focused on trying to get outside of our walls? Right? We serve in our walls. That's the launching ground. We get used to dirtiness so we can get outside the walls. We won't be shocked when somebody's naked and bloody and hurting. We get out in those. Why are we so committed to outward focused ministries, right? So we're, we're working on, a, we launched this season a, a marriage ministry. It's outward focused. We have people coming to our marriage ministry on Wednesday night that don't always attend here on Sunday morning. Why? Because we need, marriages are important. Whether you go to church here or not, guess what? Your children and their future matters to us. So you got to get your marriage right, right? Because so much of, of a child's faith is built upon their father, right? It's built upon that relationship between uh, mother and father. It matters to your kids. 
So we want to help you there, right? We want to help with parenting. We, we, we want to help with finances. So we've got outward focus ministries. We just, we spent, I don't know how much, way too much money on Fall Festival. A lot. So we said, why do you spend that much money and, and, and do all that? And we had 22 cars handing out candy and we bought 20,000 pieces of candy and people brought, probably had 30, 40. I mean, the dentists love us. Why do you do all that? Because you know what? We've got people in this church that the very first time they met us, they are members here, they serve here, the very first time they met us was out in that parking lot when we were loving their kid because they wanted a safe place for their kid to trick or treat. And we said, we'll be that safe place. Man, we'll come and eat with you. We'll do it. Guys, when we look forward, listen, the demographics of Elgin are shifting. The majority of people moving to Elgin in our school district say the majority are Spanish-speaking. We've got to think about how to use our building to reach Spanish-speaking people. We're going to have to think about it. We're going to have to think, how do we invest in that? How do we do that, right? So, so we want to pay the price to reach people for Christ. We have to be those people, all right? So we're talking about next-step discipleship. We've got that, that graphic you can't read, I know. We're taking the next step this morning. It's this one here. It's serving my neighborhood. Right? That's what we just talked about is serving my neighborhood. So I want to give you some homework. Here's homework this morning. And then I'm, I'm going to let you go. I'll be quiet. All right? I've got to wrap it up anyway. It's that time. So number one, first thing I want to challenge you is I want you to start praying for your neighbors. Intentionally praying for your neighbors. So can I ask you a question this morning? How many of you are currently doing that on a regular basis? On a regular, not a, not a, well, I did it one time. I mean, on a regular basis, you're like, I regularly pray for my neighbors. Anybody? Okay? All right. We can do better. All right? That's about 3%. All right? We can do better. All right? You say, well, what's the scriptural basis for that, Pastor? Well, here it is. Matthew 5, 43 through 44. Jesus said, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If you are supposed to pray for those that hate you, how much more are you supposed to pray for your neighbor? Right? Second greatest command, love your neighbor. So listen, months ago, I said, hey, we have these cards for you. They are prayer cards. We want every family in our church to pick up a prayer card. You identify seven families, and you pray for that family one day of the week. On Monday, I pray for this family, the Johnsons. On Tuesday, I'm praying for the, you know, the Smiths. And on, on Wednesday, I'm praying. Like, you, just seven days of a week, find seven families to pray for. How many of you filled those out and are doing that daily? Yeah. But we want to grow the church, Pastor. We do. We're all in. Are we? Right? Because let me tell you, the heavy lifting isn't done by, by us scheming something or us building a building or ordering playgrounds. The heavy lifting is done in prayer. It's in prayer. And so I'm going to challenge you this morning. Get down here afterwards and grab these cards. They're up front. Everyone should have one in their wallet, in their purse, on their dashboard, by the mirror that they get ready. Wherever you spend some time in the morning. I don't care. You can, uh, you can laminate it and hang it in the shower for all I care once you fill it out. I just want you praying. You can pray naked. I mean, the guy was naked and bloody. Why not? Let's go. Just be praying for your neighbors. We got to be praying, right? So that, that step one is pray for your neighbor. Step two is pray for yourself, right? After you pray for your neighbor, you need to ask God to help you see the needs around you. Many of us are not like Jesus. Many of us are not like Peter. We, we, we just blow past the people in need, right? We don't stop. We don't see. So we're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit right now. We're caught up in us. 
We're caught up in our busyness. We're caught up in what we're going through. And man, we're called to be vessels. Right now, we're cisterns. We're hogging all of the blessing of God. We're keeping it to ourselves. We're meant to be channels through which God works. And so we've got to start, God, oh my gosh, Lord, ah, I'm so sorry. Help me see the needs around me. God, open my eyes. If you ask God to open your eyes, watch out. God will open your eyes. Show me the needs around me. Pray for divine appointments. So you pray for your neighbors. God, I'm praying for my neighbors. By the way, your neighbors are not just the people on your block. We're also building a new building. Your neighbors are all those new neighborhoods. It's a great time of year to prayer walk, y'all. It's a great time of year to start it. Start walking those neighborhoods, praying. Meet people. Hey, my name is Jason. What's your name? Can I pray for you? Why do you want to pray for me? Well, we're building this church over here. And man, we just care about you. We've been praying for you. I'm here to pray for you today. Start praying, right? So pray for them. Pray for you that you, you'll see the need. Uh, number three, when God reveals a need to you, stop and see what you can do. Just stop and see what you can do. Listen, sometimes you can do nothing other than tell them about Jesus and pray for them. Now, some people, you pray for them and they'll spit on you. You think I'm joking? It's true. Right? Some will. Some want to abuse it. And you know what? That's cool because that's up to them and the Lord. I can wipe spit off. I can. I'm good. I really can. It's okay. But I'm going to do, I'm gonna, if I see a need, I want to stop. How can I help you? I remember my kids were little. I mean, they were little, little, and we had our old minivan, the one we moved here with, y'all. It wasn't awesome. Um, I'm pretty sure it was our old minivan. We might have had the white one by then. I can't remember. We've sold them both now. But, but we were driving uh, to Bastrop, and some lady had, like, she, like, I think she broke out of the hospital. Uh, she had on, like, the gown with a walker and had, like, IV stuff attached. I'm like, how are you walking? She was walking down the highway, the side of the road. I, she wasn't completely with it, and I had young children, and I'm like, I feel like we need to stop. And Hope looked at me like, what? I just, I just feel like we're supposed to stop. So we get the lady, like, we're, we move children car seats around to get the woman in the car and to drive her to bath. And, 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 and anyway, it was, okay? Now, I want to challenge you. Use some common sense, ladies. If you see a man broken down on the side of the road and you feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, the Holy Spirit is probably telling you to call some other dude to help him. Okay? I just want to help you out with that in case you're wondering how that works. Okay? That's how that works. Don't you stop by yourself. Use some common sense. But if the Lord puts something on your heart, say, hey, listen, so-and-so, I know, are you nearby? Could you, there's this dude. Could you help him change? Like, but use common sense. But guys, just try to meet a need. And when somebody asks, why are you doing this? You say, because God loves me, and He loves you, and you looked like you could use a hand. Right? That's it. That's it. Lastly, guys, I would challenge you to give faithfully to help support the ministry of our church. This isn't a message on giving, but I'm just going to tell you, it costs to meet the needs of this community. I've got a budget meeting Tuesday night. I am, I'm everything in my human nature trying to figure out we're to come up with all the money to do the ministry that we feel called to do. I ain't got it yet. I ain't got it yet. I'm hoping the finance team has some of it because I'm like, uh, but, it, but you know what? The Lord's going to provide because He does. Because He's provider. That's who He is. If we are faithful and we commit to meeting the needs, God will use us. God will use us. Hey, can I pray for you this morning? I'm going to pray for you. We just have a couple announcements after that. We'll let you go. Father, thanks for loving us. Man, thanks for being so good and so kind. Lord, we are desperate to see you move in our lives. 
And we want to we be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. We've got to meet needs with love, but it's going to cost. So help us see people. Help us see people, right? Help us pray for our neighbors continually, okay? Help us meet those needs when we can. Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.